From Courtside of the Virtual Hardwood, it's the NLSE Podcast. This is episode 489. I am Andrew, Andrew Nuffloram, Andrew NLSE on Twitter. Joining me as always, my co-host Derek, DP3 Nuffloram, and DP3G and DP384 on Twitter. Derek, good to be on here talking basketball gaming with you as always, as we do each and every week. But uh, what's new? Dwayne Wade or James Harden, Andrew? Dwayne Wade. I don't have to. I don't have to think by, about that. By far, right? Yeah, by yeah. far, right? Yeah, Jeff T. Doubling down on his James Harden over Dwayne Wade um, stance, stating that you know kids at the park are you know they're not trying to play like Dwayne Wade; they're trying to play like James Harden. Uh, there's a lot of context missing with that statement, and the kids who are trying to play like James Harden at the park, as you know, I've been playing a lot of pickup recently. But the younger crowd, the kids and young adults that are trying to play like James Harden today, look absolutely ridiculous doing so. And that play style, as I just stated on my Twitter, that play style is not conducive to winning. And it's also um, often a very selfish style of play and a play style that also lacks variety and different ways to attack. So, um, yeah, I don't agree with Jeff Teague. Dwayne Wade all away. Uh, Dwayne Wade was also a much better two-way player. And yeah, that's that's my take on it. I mean, you look at James Harden, is not an unskilled player by any stretch of the imagination, but it is that style of uh, flash over substance, which is funny because Dwayne Wade was, of course, uh, nicknamed Flash. But you see that uh, kids at the playground dribbling between their legs over and over again and making all these quick uh, fancy moves and fancy drilling moves. But they're not actually done with purpose. They're not actually creating space. They're not achieving what they're supposed to achieve as far as performing a dribble move, which is to elude the defender, to get them off balance, to get a good shot. Right. It's dribbling in place for like 10 seconds. And then launching a bad and shot. Yeah. 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 Like it's this is the average person who's trying to play like James Harden at the park. It's dribble, 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 traveling step back. So an off-balance shot and a brick <laughs> yeah. and a very low percentage shooting. And um, and oftentimes that traveling step back, or if you even want to call it a legal step back somehow with a gather or, or whatever, it oftentimes is contested because it's still incredibly hard to actually create space on that step back. And it's also super predictable. Um, these players often have no you know, tweener game. They have, you know, they're not pulling up in the mid range. If they do drive, they're very limited at what they do at the rim, et cetera. It's not a winning style of basketball. And it also can really piss your teammates off, right? If you're playing that way and you have other players who know, you know, the right way to play and they, and you know, the ball should be touching more hands, et cetera. Um, you're also going to piss your teammates off. So, um, the Dwayne Wade style of play was very quick and decisive, almost like the Jordans of the world, right? You know, you catch and go, you, you know, if you were going to cross over and you're going to do a move, you, you make a snappy decision to do that and you catch your defender off guard by doing so. And, you know, he also had a better back to the basket game than Harden. Um, he was a better slasher than Harden uh, by far, in my opinion. Um, he's a better mid range player, et cetera. So, yeah, it's just not it's not a good play style to watch and it's not a conducive style for winning. It's also a pretty 
ridiculous way to evaluate players and their standing because i mean there's probably not a lot of people that are imitating tim duncan style because it's not flashy but man was it effective and his ranking in nba history uh has nothing to do with how quote-unquote boring his style was and i don't think his style was boring it certainly wasn't as flashy as other players but he played a very smart game and it was if, if you know basketball if you appreciate basketball you appreciate tim duncan's style even though it wasn't flashy so yeah <laughs> the fact that people aren't imitating a certain style of play doesn't it doesn't have any bearing on a player's ranking or how great they were right and if you're playing at the park and you're playing with a tim duncan style player or if you're playing in a in a men's league a local league um i don't know semi-pro pro etc when you're playing with your or your school like if you're playing in high school or if you're playing in college etc when you have a guy like Tim Duncan on your team, you appreciate him, right? Yeah. You're like, I, you know, I want to get this guy the ball in his spots. He's playing winning basketball. He's a team player. He works his butt off on defense, etc. I, I also never thought Tim Duncan was a very boring player. Um, you can look up some of his highlights as oh, well. Sure. I mean, I sure, mean, you know, it's, he it's hung an, out it's in the narrative, though, right? It was a narrative, right? Time, it's yeah. the narrative, right? Yeah. But I mean, he had some monster jams. Um, he had True. some flashy passes. Um, you know, I know a lot of his operations were in the mid range and little little chip shots at the hoop and everything. But Tim Duncan, in my opinion, it, it was fun to watch a, a player playing winning basketball, right, and making the right plays. Kevin Garnett winning basketball the same like Dirk Nowitzki he's a winning player those guys are winning hoopers but yeah you know it's the same reason why Kobe was so fun to watch and his game was so appealing much like Wade's is you rarely ever saw Kobe over dribble right you rarely saw him stand there in one spot and you know for like six seven eight seconds and just dribble in one place the highlights of you see him cross you know when you know froby and whatnot where he's crossing defenders over and everything he's usually you know catching the ball you know leaning one way and going hard the other way and making his move quick and whatnot and catching his defender off guard um much more appealing game and also more um conducive to winning but yeah these players recently the the jeff teagues you know the retired players like gilbert arenas all of that stuff, like Al Harrington, it proves that just because you played professional basketball or you played basketball at a high level doesn't mean that everything you say is gold, right? Like like that, that no fan can be smarter than you in certain areas of the game. Gilbert Arenas came out in um, on a podcast and stated that Dennis Rodman would be looked at as a little guard today. Yeah. He was 6'8", okay? That makes absolutely no sense, and he was in great shape. He said that Anthony Mason was the same size as Russell Westbrook. Like, just because he's a former player, a former pro player, doesn't mean that he's right all the time. And you can correct these players. I don't care what level you played at. I don't care who you are, because right is right. Well, here's the thing. If if being at a certain level uh, is what qualifies you to talk about certain subjects then a player like Ryan Hollins weighing in on the GOAT debate and Ryan Hollins criticizing Michael Jordan, who Michael Jordan scored more points in his rookie season than Ryan Hollins did in his entire career. Go on basketball reference. You'll see that it's absolutely true. So if, if Ryan Hollins can comment on that, on Michael Jordan, uh, with his standing in the NBA, then I don't see why uh, any other player... I mean, they often rip on Paul Pierce for his uh, commentary, his analysis, and said, oh, he's not good enough to say this. Well, if... 
Paul Pierce isn't good enough, then... Then you should never say listen to a word Stephen A. Smith says. Oh, right? Ryan Hollins or anyone Paul else. Pierce Absolutely, is, yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah, I, I think it's absolutely ridiculous. The state of basketball discussion today is so toxic and ridiculous. And it, it's constantly crapping on different eras. It's constant lies. It's constant BS. And that's why I've mostly stayed away from that type of stuff on Twitter. Um, well, 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 you know, Derek... X, you know, we're getting to the point where the 2000s are going to be downplayed to prop up the now, which means we're getting very close to the first half of LeBron James' career being downplayed as a weak era. So that's going to be interesting how they juggle two different narratives like that. I mean, they're they're already doing stuff like that. Yeah, that's the we're, thing. we're seeing it's, it. We're seeing it's it. Constant. It's constant. The it's contradictions. Yeah, yeah. The contradictions are wild. Um, most of the points and comparisons that are made make absolutely no sense and shout out to kid cash who's been tagging us in tweets and stories related to these ridiculous toxic basketball takes and conversations um yeah i have a lot of trouble listening to any of the talking heads today um i don't care if it's stephen a smith i don't care if it's skip and shannon um i don't care and they've recently separated oh how heartbreaking you know, I don't care if it's, you know, Max Kellerman. I don't care who it is. You know, Doris Burke is often a nightmare to listen to because she's incredibly biased. And some of her, some of her comparisons are both on NBA 2K and during the broadcast are absolutely absurd. Some of her takes overall. Um, I have trouble listening to most all of the talking heads and most of the commentators. So, yeah, I just try to focus on you know, the errors that I love, the players that I love, and look at things, like, realistically. Agreed, agreed. And uh, as for Jeff Teague, his take was as bland as his generic face in NBA Live 10, which was, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, there's a lot of great faces in NBA Live 10. We went through them together over Parsec, uh, commenting on them, but uh, and just to each other, actually. That wasn't even for content. That was just you and I hanging out, basically, online over Parsec, looking at some faces in NBA Live 10. But, uh, yeah, Jeff Teague, for whatever reason... Uh, was one of the top picks that year or in the lottery that year and didn't have a, a proper face. But uh, yeah, that, that's as bland as his take. Yeah, and those generic faces on the games that actually have good faces, you know, games like NBA Live 2000, um, NBA Live 2010 has a bunch of good faces like, um, you know, like Ron Artest, like we pointed out, of you know, course. World Peace and whatnot. The When those games do have a bunch of good faces, the ones that are not like likeness accurate, that are very generic, like like you mentioned, they really stand out. Yeah. Like yeah. you play a game like NBA Live 15 and you can really tell a player when a player has not been scanned, when they don't have a real cyber face. And when they zoom in on that player, it sticks out like a sore f- thumb. And it's like, I would never, ever in my entire lifetime be able to guess that that was supposed to be this play. I mean, you talk about NBA Live faces and Live 14, for example, was a, a letdown compared to 2K14 on PS4, X1 with the, the detail of some of the faces, although some of them do look uh, pretty good for the, uh, for the time. But I've been playing Live 18 recently, just uploaded a video today when, when we're recording this of a game I played with uh, Patrick Ewing for his birthday, 61 years old. Happy birthday, Patrick Ewing, the Hoya Destroyer, of course, uh, uploaded a uh, a reel of him and some of his former teammates from across his career in NBA Live 18. And there are some amazing faces in uh, in Live 18. I am super impressed with some of the cyber faces for the legends yeah. in that game. I mentioned that on a previous show. World Be Free looks exactly like his real-life counterpart. 
right? Larry Nance looks amazing. Um, and those aren't scans. Those aren't scans. Spot on. And they even got, yeah, and they're not scans. And they even got Drazen Petrovic, um, his accessories, right? Like his wristband and everything. Um, super impressive how hard they worked on getting those legends right. And I was also impressed with Live 18 with some of the signature style. When you're using Julius Irving, he does different dunks, right? Than the other legends. Um, he has like a flying one-handed dunk um, with where it looks exactly like the doctor doing it. And they really paid attention to detail with the players that were good at throwing it down in real life, you know, back in the day, you know, like the Larry Nances of the world who had one of the best dunk contests I have ever seen, um, you know, Spud Webb, uh, his, his ability to throw it down in that game. A lot of good in NBA Live 18 uh, ultimate team. And I wish I had spent a little bit more time on it back in the day. However, I do want to point something out. My brother and I are on game number 80 of our NBA 2K23 Series X, my NBA, where we're using legends versus regular teams. You know, our fun season where we're producing highlights, where we have stat goals, all of that stuff. And we were talking about it last night because we're winding this season down and we're trying to get it done before, you know, NBA 2K24 is released. And we really did get our money's worth with NBA 2K22 and NBA 2K23. Why? Because when you only pay basically the base price of the game and you sink hundreds of hours into the game, I don't care what mode you're playing, and you have a good time, you know, for the, the majority of that, you know, those hundreds of hours, hundreds of hours, then you got your money's worth, right? And we're playing 12-minute quarters, and we're playing every game on the same team and everything. And we've put well over 100 hours into NBA 2K23. And we've produced some great highlights, some which have been shown in the top 10. We're using some of our favorite players of all time and some of the most dominant players in NBA history. Um, we've achieved most of our stat goals for that season. And, you know, you may not have gotten your money's worth with 2K23, because you haven't had the same amount of activity as I have. But I will say here on the air that while I have a lot of critiques of 2K23, I did get my money's worth. Well, that's the thing, that we do have our criticisms of the game, but we have still spent time with it. We've still had some, some fun with it and made good memories with it, So, which is, at the end of the day, what we want to do with any video games. That's why we play them, to, to have fun. Certainly there are people who uh, play them to be, uh, to be competitive online and to achieve uh, success there. But again, it is coming down to enjoying the experience on the virtual hardwood or blacktop, as the case may be. So, yeah, I do think I did get my money's worth. I have enjoyed my time with 2K23. Um, obviously, I get it the game every year anyway because I'm a collector and we are content creators and collectors, so it's going to happen anyway. I do not regret the purchase because it is something that I budget for, something that I intend to do. But yeah, uh, it's great to hear that you've got your money's worth because, again, that's, that's what you what you want uh, especially if you do get the the special editions yeah and i think that being able to fit in all of my retro gaming during nba 2k23's cycle i think also was incredibly helpful right like we weren't spending all of our time on nba 2k23 we were able to find our niche with it which was that legend season we were able to find fun in one of the modes at least which i think is sometimes the company's goal as well is you know we're going to something's going to hit that consumer right yeah like they're going to be able to have fun with 
well, that's something. that's two K strength is that it does have that variety of modes and exactly. deep content, all the historical content, obviously, and what they've done with my NBA eras. Even before that, just having my NBA that deep franchise experience, a deep card collecting mode, team building mode with my team, and then my career and the connected experiences for all the problems with those. There is something for everyone. Exactly. And, you know, it's allowed us to have seasons on so many retro games as well. Similar seasons, co-op, um, like on 2K19, you know, NBA Live 2004, NBA Live 2003, Live 2000, um, Inside Drive 2003. Um, boy, the list goes on. NBA Live 06. Um, we just have so many seasons going right now that are a lot of fun. So yeah, no, it absolutely worked out. But talking about retro gaming, Andrew, Duck Station. You need to download it. It's the new PlayStation 1 emulator because we had been using obviously EPSXE and it's a little limited when it comes to, you know, setting your resolution, you know, there's sometimes issues with frame rates on it. Sometimes it's really hard to get the games in full screen, etc. But on Duck Station, they have just done an amazing job making basically every game I've tried on PS1. You, you can make it, you know, full screen. The game pads work great. The frame rates are smooth. Um, there's a ton of options related to, you know, resolutions, etc. And, you know, for the basketball gaming community, please check it out. Check out that um, PS1 emulator Duck Station because it is flat out awesome. That's the one you used for the the latest uh, clip you, you shared, wasn't it, from NBA Shootout? Yes. Yep. Absolutely. You mean uh, you mean LeBron and Carmelo Anthony, the the rookies in NBA Shootout two thousand four. Faces I mean, a bit the, blocky, the faces, but you know. <laughs> the faces are. I mean, you can tell that they're real cyber faces. Mm. Like you can tell it's Carmelo Anthony's face and LeBron James' face, but they're slapped on a very poor human model. Yeah. And their hair looks ridiculous. Almost looks like it's just like marker drawn on. Doesn't look like their real life hair at all. Um, but, you know, that's the, some of the stuff we dealt with. Absolutely. You know, back in the day, you know, as Dazar stated, you know, he quote tweeted that image and said, you know, I thought this was elite back in the day. Yeah. Um, we did. We did. Yeah. Think that those graphics it can't were get any better than this. They they were peak for its time. Yeah. Right. Like like I've, I've talked about it before, you know, NBA fast break 98. When I first saw that, I was like, I feel like I'm watching a real game like this looks like real life. This can't get any better. That looks just like this player. This looks just like that player. And, you know, I don't feel bad about that. And, you know, I go back and I play those games all the time and I can appreciate what they were doing at that time. And I still like looking at those games. It's important to put the games in perspective and say this is the height of technology at the time. Technology got better and facilitated better graphics. That's when people say, oh, I can't believe I thought this looked good because because it did at the time. You know, <laughs> you can't uh, you can't see the future like that, obviously. But no, I love going back to those games, obviously. And yeah, keen to uh, to check out Duck Station because on top of simply going back and playing these games, obviously I'm writing articles and so forth and doing videos as well, doing more videos these days. So getting the uh, the higher resolution, those games in higher resolution, is uh, important for that because some of my screenshots from uh, Live 2001, 2002, PS1 for some of my uh, articles about uh, players who had phantom stints, you know, they're not the best resolution from uh, EPSXE. So yeah, looking forward to a better 
emulated experience. Yeah, and Duck Station is incredibly lightweight, as was EPSXE. Um, you know, if you want to use action to record your highlights or, you know, do like a full recording of the entire game that you play, or if you want to use the recorder that comes with your graphics card, whether it be NVIDIA or uh, AMD, like, yeah, it's it's super easy to record off of that emulator and the quality is outstanding. Um, you know, for other emulators that I recommend for Sega Dreamcast, I recommend Demule. I've uploaded NBA 2K footage um, from that NBA 2K, NBA 2K1, NBA 2K2, etc. And that footage looks absolutely awesome. There's no audio issues on my end with that emulator, um, and it runs incredibly smooth. And for PlayStation 2, PCSX2, I've been using that for a long time, works great in full screen, has all the different resolution options, easy to record on etc ps3 rpcs3 um you and i use that all the time to connect and play whether it be nba jam or you know nba live 10 nba live 09 uh we've we've connected and played live 08 on that etc i've run two tournaments using that emulator one on college hoops 2k8 and one on ncaa basketball 10 which someday we'll finish that tournament will be finished someday um and for GameCube, Dolphin is the easy winner. It runs great, works great. Um, I use that all the time for games like NBA Street Volume 2 and whatnot. And then Project 64 for the N64 emulator. I was just playing GoldenEye 007 recently on that. For the OG Xbox, um, I use XMU. Uh, and my brother and I have our NBA Inside Drive 2003 season on that. And that emulator is amazing. I played Live 2002 with Nate Stasho on, um, using that emulator as well. And Nate Stasho, obviously, um, Live 01 Legend. And then for Xbox 360, uh, Xenia. So um, X-E-N-I-A. It has audio issues. Some games work for it. Some games don't. But it's the best we have right now for Xbox 360. No, there's a lot of great resources out there. And of course, as far as PC gamers is, is concerned, uh, DG Voodoo and other Englide rappers that simulate old video cards. Yeah, there's, there's a lot we can do to play these old favorites. And we always want to remove the stigma of retro gaming because sometimes it's still there, Derek. Sometimes people say, oh, why are you still playing that? Why aren't you playing the latest game? Well, we do play the latest game every year, but we also like to go back to old favorites and see what other games do or don't hold up. That's why I do Wayback Wednesday every week, to dive into basketball gaming history, because there are decades of basketball gaming history at this time, and plenty of other genres, people go back and continue to play old favorites, or they go back and look at them and evaluate them, and see what was great about them, see what was not so great about them. So, yeah, I I want to remove that stigma from retro basketball gaming. Retro gaming is an easy hobby to get into, and it's rather inexpensive if you know where to look and what it does is it opens up a world of opportunity for you to have a bunch of different experiences. So you're not just playing the same game with the same gameplay year in in year out. It allows you to experience different gameplay direction from different companies. It allows you to, um, you know, utilize modes that are not even in the newer games like all-star weekend etc you know example like nba live 2005 um it allows you to you know just get an overall different gameplay experience which is just huge and i think that that variety keeps you and i constantly playing basketball video games it's a power cleanser yeah absolutely yeah absolutely and you know if you're on social media as well 
now you have a whole, you know, bevy of footage you can share and it's not always of the most recent game you can share and, and you know some of those retro gaming channels on youtube and some of those um retro gaming accounts on you know instagram on twitter etc the a lot of those do very well right because people oftentimes today love to look back on that footage and see what those games are all about and see how those games are being played etc and hear commentary on those games i know kid cash loves listening to the commentary on the older games. So, um, yeah, retro gaming opens up a whole world of new opportunity. And of course it doesn't have to be expensive. As you said, I mean, if you're going up for some of the rarer titles, then maybe it, uh, it will start to, uh, uh, increase in price some of those rarer and more difficult to find titles but a lot of the basics the annual releases of nba live nba 2k etc are very affordable as we've said before and obviously i think a big part of the nostalgia for those games is on top of the basketball experience within is simply not having to spend extra money on them to get the premium experience yeah exactly i mean here's the deal you can go out to like and like a game stop right and you can find NBA 2K14 if they still have it on the shelves for like Xbox One or PS4. You can buy that game for like $3, Andrew. I, that's like, that's how much I paid for the game when I picked it up again recently. I got it for like three bucks or something like that. It was like two or three dollars. And you get that game home and you're like, this game looks great. This game plays great. The game plays fun. Wait a minute. I can play my career on this game. It has a full season. I can jump in and play a season. All of that stuff. Oh, it has classic teams. All that. Like, you just got all of that, that entire experience for a few bucks. And even if you had to spend 10 bucks for that experience or 15 bucks, maybe you had to order the game off of Amazon or maybe you had to get it off of eBay. It's still, you can you could sink hundreds of hours like you have, Andrew, with your my career. You're on season six. You can spend hundreds of hours of having a new, fresh, fun experience on that game that you're not getting from the newest title. And you don't have to spend any extra money to do it, right? That's amazing. So that's the way I look. That's why retro gaming is so fun. Just like you said, it's a one-time cost. You end up having the game and all those modes are at your disposal. You know, roster editing is in a lot of these games. All of that, you have a season mode in pretty much every single one of them. You have stat tracking. Um, you can make great highlights. You can, you know, all that stuff. Like, the opportunities are endless. Oh, for sure. And by the way, uh, highlights from games 11 to 20 in year six of NBA 2K14, my career, will be going up on the NLSC YouTube channel uh, shortly, if, if indeed they're not up there by the time this uh, podcast drops on Tuesday. But yeah, just the amount of fun we've had, the, the palate cleansing aspect of retro gaming, and they are fun to just put on. And you can, as you say, you can play a career, you can play a season, a franchise game. If it's still scratching that itch to play virtual basketball, then by all means, play an old game. If you prefer a newer game, obviously play that. Play what you want. Don't be beholden to following trends as far as trying to find enjoyment on the virtual hardwood. Play what you actually enjoy. Before we go on, a reminder that the NLSC podcast comes out every week on the NLSC, me-live.com, as well as our YouTube channel. We're also on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other podcast apps. If you're listening on any of those apps, we'd greatly appreciate a review. To keep up with the show and everything we're doing with basketball gaming in general, connect with us on social media. On Twitter and Facebook, we are the NLSC. 
We also have an Instagram, NLSC Basketball, and on YouTube, we're youtube.com slash NBA Live Series Center. Once again, visit us at nba-live.com, where in addition to the podcast, you'll also find all of our original content, as well as our forum and modding community. But speaking of the cost of gaming, that's something that's come up because there's a, a concern, kind of a concerning rumour at the moment, Derek, and it is a rumour at the moment about battle, a battle pass or a season pass for NBA 2K24. It's been floated by a, a blue check on Twitter, which doesn't necessarily mean anything, but it has been put out there, a rumour that there's going to be a season pass, that seasonal content is going to actually have a subscription cost this year in NBA 2K24. And that's obviously bad news. I mean, back in the day, we had the Dynamic DNA updates in NBA Live that were subscription-based. They came with, uh, well, all new copies of the game came with that subscription to Dynamic DNA. But if you bought the game secondhand and it already had the code redeemed, you had to pay for it and pay for those DNA and roster updates, which quickly went away. That wasn't a good idea. Although, who, who knows these days? People might actually support that because battle passes and season passes have become very normalized. But I would hope, Derek, that the community will push back on this if indeed that rumor is true, because we don't need that extra cost for basketball gaming. Yeah, and like you said, it's just a rumor. We don't know if this is true or not. Apparently, according to the tweet, that a few people who got early looks at NBA 2K24 had stated that there possibly would be a subscription model related to, like you stated, the season pass. But that got me thinking about what do we think these games should cost today? You know, the NBA 2K23s of the world, the NBA 2K24s, which is coming up, um, you know, NBA 2K25, when they start, you know, previewing that, you know, what should these games cost? So I asked the community, what do you think NBA 2K24 should cost? And I wanted them to keep in mind two things. One, the base game. So what they think the base game should cost. And two, microtransactions if they should be in the game, in your opinion. And I also said, keep your online player in mind. Should your online player be ready to go out of the gate without extra VC? So before we get to the community's responses, Andrew, what do you think NBA 2K24 should cost? Well, of course, my answer uh, is going to vary from yours based on the fact that I'm in Australia, obviously, and the, the value of our dollar means that if you work out the exchange rate, it's actually about the same price. So for me, between 75 and 100 Australian dollars, which works out to be about 60 US dollars, I still think is a fair price. I mean, if they, if they want to say $70 because they haven't put the price up for 25 years or whatever, I can see that. My philosophy, and it makes me an old head, a grumpy elder millennial, Derek, is that if you pay for a game, a full-price AAA release, then you should get all of the content of that game. And you should be able to make progress and unlock content simply by playing the game. It's, it's an antiquated idea, I know. But that is my philosophy about uh, gaming prices. Now, if you have to have microtransactions, and obviously it's very unlikely that they're going to go anywhere unless there's actually legislation against them, as some countries in uh, Europe have already done, obviously. But, you know, bring that price down. There should not be a pack of VC that costs twice as much as the standard edition of the game. And at the moment, the most expensive pack, 450,000 VC in Australian dollars, costs $150 for that pack. 
which is again twice as much as the regular price of the game. Get Ridiculous. It from, get it from JB Hi-Fi. Yeah, from about seventy or eighty dollars. So to pay twice as much again for the game, and that will max you out more or less at four hundred fifty thousand VC. So to max out a player also shows how much grinding you have to do to max out a player in my career these days. But having to pay basically three three times the amount of what the game costs to get the game and then to quickly upgrade a player, yeah, that, uh, that just shouldn't be a thing. We have content creators who have openly said on YouTube that they've spent thousands of dollars on NBA 2K23. And why? Because they're creating content for the game, right? And they want to display certain players. And they also want to look good for the screen and whatnot. And to, you know, get more followers, get more subscribers and whatnot. And I know that a lot of people do that in the Madden community where they're spending boatloads of money on Ultimate Team. And I think it's a damn shame. And I, th- and I feel bad that people feel like they have to do this as well. And a lot of them are facing a lot of pressure to do so. My stance on it is... I think that microtransactions shouldn't exist. Period. That's yeah. my stance. Yeah. I think that the the base game should be around sixty um, and or seventy, sixty or seventy dollars. But with that, you get a full game. You don't get the gambling mechanics. There's no pressure. There's not. Um, you know, you're able to use your player and him be effective and enjoyable out of the gate if you're playing online. If, you know, you're playing my team, you, the players should be attainable without a absolutely ridiculous grind. You know, the players that you want, you know, being able to upgrade your lineup and whatnot. And I just think that microtransactions overall uh, are super predatory. It allows these companies to be super predatory. And unfortunately, with 2K, um, as I've stated and I've shared articles about this before, um, which prove it, you know, they make more money off of microtransactions than they do off of the base game sales. And that's damn disappointing. And the Live King made a great point. You know, he goes, if you're going to flood your game with microtransactions, then the game should be free to play. Like it should be a free to play game if you're going to reach into people's pockets like that after they've already obtained the game. Now, I hate the free to play model. I hate the idea of it, but he's not wrong, right? You know, if you're going to force somebody to spend 60 to 70, 80, sometimes more dollars, you know, after they've already received the game, then they shouldn't have to pay for the damn game, (laughs) right? So, that's my take on it. So I agree with his stance to a point there as well. But yeah, my, my opinion on this is base game price, like we've always had, 60 to $70, whatever. But no microtransactions. I don't think they should exist. I mean, it has brought a, a freemium economy, a freemium model, free-to-play model to a AAA game that you are buying every single year for full price. I mean, obviously, some people wait and and get it on sale, but they are <laughs> getting a lot of pre-orders, obviously, and people getting the expensive editions because of the extra content, the extra VC, the extra MT, the cards, the card packs that trickle out throughout the season to boost your collection. Of course, you get a lot of doubles, <laughs> ridiculously, with those uh, pre-order packs anyway, so the, the value isn't fantastic. But no, they, they are making bank off of microtransactions, obviously. And I understand the argument for going free-to-play, Derek, but I think if it was truly free-to-play, 
if you think microtransactions and grinding and pushy recurrent revenue mechanics are bad now, in free to play, it's going to be even worse. And, and who knows? Oh if, yeah. And who knows? How if, many games yeah. out there, Andrew? How many games out there are pay to win? Yeah. And you see it. You see people in the comments on the Steam, on these games on Steam and whatnot because that's what I look at the most usually is because I'm, I play on PC the most. So I see these games on Steam that are advertised and promoted and everything. And these ones that are free, you go in and look at those Steam reviews and they're people just pissed off. Andrew. Yeah. And they're like, this game is P2W, so pay to win. Or it's this game is pay to win. Um, you you know, you that, can't that get any game. of the armor. The, the Donatello yeah, brought you know, up, yeah. You can't get any of the good armor without paying for it. You can't get any of the good weapons. You can't access any of the areas, all of that stuff. Even games like Elder Scrolls Online, I want to bring this up. So Elder Scrolls Online has a base price for the game. I want to say that it's like 50 or 60 bucks. But if you want to access more areas of the game like you gotta pay for it and there's dlc there's constant push for you to buy you know whatever it is coins or whatever to be able to you know access these new areas and everything that game was already 60 bucks andrew and they're locking all of these different areas in the game behind a paywall right so yeah a lot of people think that these games are you know pay to win and and they're right or pay to access that's another good way to put it pay to access and then you know pay to enjoy and it's terrible for gaming it's it's been horrible for the gaming scene in rpgs mmorpgs adventure games um simulators um basketball managers like stuff like that which we've talked about on a prior show yeah i i think free to play would just open up an avenue of locking more stuff more access you know, more enjoyable content behind paywalls. And then people would find out that they're spending more than they were even spending before. So I agree, free-to-play, not the way to go. And people often make the comparison with microtransactions to old-school arcade games, actually going to an arcade, as you and I did growing up, and putting a coin in the machine and getting a turn. And yes, you could certainly put a lot of money through those machines back in the day, but... You also got what you paid for. I mean, yes, they were also made to, so you have to keep feeding the machine through uh, difficulty and so forth. But you paid for a turn, you got a turn. And if you got good at those games, get good, there it is again. If you got good at those games, you could make a quarter, or in my case, a dollar. I think it was 50 cents or a dollar um, back in the day. You could make that last a while with a lot of games. So you would get your money's worth and it, you, you were getting what you paid for. These days with the loot box mechanics, you are not necessarily getting what you paid for. Now, I go back to Live 18 Ultimate Team. As I say, I've been playing that. I actually did spend a bit of money on that back in the day because with their Legends packs, with the Legends packs drops every week, they had guaranteed Legends in those packs. That you paid for those packs, you would get Legends. You could pay with uh, real money. You could buy the NBA points, which are basically the premium uh, currency similar to VC, or you could buy it using the in-game currency the coins which were kind of like empty which you can't buy in the game anyway and i did spend a little bit of money to get my scotty pippen and a couple of other legends normally i just did the challenges and open the packs the normal way but i did pay a little bit because i was getting a guaranteed result do i necessarily support that no i am going against my <laughs> i'm going against my principles there and engaging in some microtransactions to do that but the only reason I did that was because I knew I was getting what I was paying for. I am not going to pay for the 0.5% of a chance to get a Pippin or a Jordan in my team, for example. 
in 2K. So uh, if, if there's some guaranteed content, if there's DLC, I got the DLC for Fallout 3 and Fallout New Vegas back in the day because I liked the idea of that expansion pack and loved the experience of that. So I was happy to pay for that and get basically two and a half games worth of content uh, for what about one and a half times the price of a, of a game, I guess. So if it's done fairly, I will at least consider it. I did pay to upgrade my MyPlayer a couple of times back in the day. I haven't done it since 2K18. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of things changed after 2K18, obviously. Didn't mind it so much for 2K17. We had a blast playing online, so getting that boost at the start. I don't know, maybe 20 bucks worth of VC or so to get a bit of a head start on that. Uh, again, I don't condone that. I don't necessarily support it. I did bite the bullet and did it at the time. But yeah, uh, generally speaking, I'm not in favor of microtransactions. I have engaged in them before, but not again. Reminder that loot boxes are banned in many countries. Yeah. De- uh, I just want to throw Belgium, that out there. I think. Yeah. And I want our listeners to ask themselves why. Why would an entire, an entire country ban loot boxes? They're super predatory, and you know we've talked about it so many times. But what did the community have to say, Andrew? So uh, the Live King, Steve, says, The standard price plus Battle Pass price for seasonal content and clothes online, that's pretty much the standard. Paying money for online attributes has always been a bad practice. I've never been fully against microtransactions, but paying to win is just wrong. And goes on to say, The game should be free to play with what they're doing. The problem is, they have the offline portion of the game they have to charge for. If 2K didn't have the NBA and was just park, they wouldn't have to charge a yearly price. Same with Live if they went that route. So yeah, the NBA is still the draw. And I've said that on many shows. You take the NBA out of NBA Live and you just make it an exclusive online game and whatnot. It's not going to have the same draw. It's not going to sell the same. They're not going to be able to promote it the same all of that. And I think it loses its value. I think that, you know, these kids today often want to put on these NBA games in order, you know, these basketball video games in order to use NBA players and be able to, you know, jump into play now with the NBA players or be able to go online with those players to be able to go against them, et cetera. Because at the end of the day, most of the time, these, these gamers are fans of the NBA. So um, I don't think that that model would work. So you might be in the same boat with that as I am. But um, like you said before, I don't like the idea of free to play. Um, and I'll say again, I just think microtransactions don't belong in video games. Agreed. Uh, Joven89 says, I'd separate them as base game at 20 to $30 and online modes also $30, although online modes should be free because without microtransactions, you can't compete. And I certainly agree about microtransactions and how they've impacted the the online scene because people say, oh, you don't have to pay. Remember, it's optional, Derek. But of course, people that do pay will set the competitive balance because they have upgraded quicker. So you have to uh, keep up with the Joneses. You have to either pay or grind hard to, to match them and be able to have an avatar that is uh, viable to compete with online. Separating the game, like having a base game and the online game, it's an interesting idea. And I have actually drafted an article about the, the possibility of having two different 2K games. But I, I think they, they wouldn't want to give up on the sales. They wouldn't want to give up on the... As much, as, as much recurrent revenue as they make through microtransactions, also getting those guaranteed sales every year, those 10 million sales or whatever of the game, and, uh, and not having it free to play. They don't want to give up all of that revenue, both game sales and VC sales. And I, I think that might be confusing for games. I mean, I, I like the idea. It's interesting, but I, I don't think it'd be viable. 
well, two things. One, very creative idea. Yeah. Two, the question isn't, you know, what would 2K do? Because there's no way they're going to get rid of this microtransaction model as long as they can get away with it. And there's no way they're going to, you know, try, you know, reduce the amount of money they're making outside of the base game sales, right? So this isn't what, you know, will 2K do it? This is what you believe, you know, as a community, the game should cost. Sure. So he believes, so he believes that the base game should be 30 bucks, basically roughly around there. And that if he wants to go online and he wants to enjoy the online components of the game, he could pay a one-time fee of 30 bucks. Now, a season in pass, theory, yeah, yeah. yeah, like a season pass, in theory, eh, you know what? That's not a bad idea. True. That is not a terrible idea because hell, that means I'd only have to pay like thirty dollars for the game every year, Andrew. Because I don't care about playing online. Yeah, right. So um, that would be great for me. So great suggestion. Um, but no, I, I mean, I, like I said, you're creative, but like Andrew said, two K would never do something like that. Uh, Sticky Fingers says on PC and old gen without any improvement than roster update and menus, minor changes, thirty five dollars or euros max. And as for VC zero dollars or zero euros and again that works out to be a similar price point to what i'd say in australian dollars i think around about 55 60 australian dollars which uh which again for the for the prior gen version and pc being a prior gen port i agree yeah i absolutely agree and then also with all the issues with the retro content right which they advertise as you know complete content for the game but it's not you know, with all the different in- inaccuracies and rush jobs and all of that stuff. And I know Sticky loves his, you know, retro content. So he's underwhelmed in that area. And, um, yeah, I, I don't think that the PC version or the, you know, other old gen versions should be full price still. So I definitely agree with him there. And hey, guess what? You know, back in the day, a game like NFL 2K5 was nineteen ninety nine. Andrew. That's 20 right. Bucks. Yeah. And look how well that game did. And how well that sold. I know it's somewhat apples and oranges because we're talking about different eras now. But um, hey, that worked out for 2K back then. And jumping over to the NLC Discord, Avery says, quite simply, shouldn't be over $60 US for the base game. There you go. So he's in line with me, right? So like 60 70 bucks base game. And then I believe his idea on this is that no microtransactions. You pay for the base game and you get all the content and your player is ready to go if you're going to play online, you know, right from the start. At least he's enjoyable, right? Like you have to grind a little bit to upgrade him and everything. But, you know, from the get go, he's usable on the court in a competitive atmosphere. I mean, once again, we've seen what the impact of microtransactions has done to the experience, basing it around recurrent revenue has made the design of my team greedier, my career, even greedier still. That's the funny thing is that my team, for as much of a moneymaker as it is, I still find that easier to play no money spent than my career because your my player is so, so underpowered at the start. At least if, even if you're just playing the NBA side of my career, you're just, uh, you, you don't even belong in the NBA with ratings like that. Your physical attributes, if, if nothing else, they can at least make your physical attributes uh, like a player that isn't. Uh, not just 60 overall, but 60 years old, quite frankly, with the, the speed and the jumping and everything. You're supposed to be this uh, highly talented prospect and a young rookie at the in their physical prime, and yet uh, you have to grind up those attributes as well as your skills. So, yeah, the, the, way, the way they've made it is uh, less fun, as we said before, less fun in order to generate more recurrent revenue, and the it's a weaker experience as a result. Right. Intentional grind in order to line their pockets. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's the truth. I, I know that sounds harsh, but 
in reality that you know that's the only way you can look at it but yeah it's it's a, it's a situation with microtransactions that unfortunately is probably not going to get any better they have become very normalized but as long as we do have those offline modes those single player modes or or local multiplayer modes, as the case may be. Obviously, Derek, um, when it comes to franchise modes, I, I always think of them as solo play. You play them uh, cop with your uh, with your brothers. But as long as we have those my NBA eras and, and things that we can play without having to to spend and be forced into spend, then so much the better. And, and once again, retro gaming as well it scratches that itch. And if you want to avoid microtransactions, retro game. The first thing my brother and I are going to do when we get NBA Two K Twenty Four. And this is both on the PC version and on Series X. Is we are going to put our Legends team together, and we're going to jump into my NBA, and we're going to test out the gameplay. And if we enjoy the game as much as we did NBA 2K23 and NBA 2K22, and it's fun for that type of gameplay, you know, loose, fun action, highlights, you know, stat goals, etc., we are going to get our money's worth with that game because we're going to play a full 82 game season, 12 minute quarters. And I'll be able to show off a bunch of highlights, all of that. So for me, that offline content at the base game price, that's enough for us. That doesn't mean that I don't think that the microtransaction push is predatory, that I don't see what's happening in the online modes um, related to developing your player. And it doesn't mean I don't see what's going on with ultimate team with packs and all of that. And the cost of that, like, I care about the fellow gamer, Andrew, exactly. as do you. Yeah. We're, very, we're very passionate about that. So I want gamers to be treated fairly, no matter what mode they're playing. And um, that's why I asked that community question. You know, How much do you think the game should cost? Because the consumers should have a say in all this, in my opinion. You know, They should have a voice in this. And as you can tell the, from the responses and from what we've seen on social media in general, the you know a lot of gamers feel like they're being taken advantage of definitely and we want value for money and people say oh it's a business oh it's a product uh, yes it's a business and a product that means we can evaluate the business practices it means we can evaluate the product for value for money so of course we're going to complain about that of course we're going to bring up concerns about that so yeah, it's, it's one of those things that I don't know why people shill for companies these multi-billion dollar companies Eric. I don't know why they shill for them instead of standing with their fellow gamer and it's people of all ages, too, the shilling. It's oh, yeah. not just kids. Oh, no. It's not yeah. just teens. It's adults. It's people in their 30s. It's people in their 40s. People should and know better, quite frankly. That do that. And it's because they're not thinking big picture. Um, they're not, you know, and, you know, that's my one of my favorite things, big picture. They're Absolutely. not thinking about the big picture. Um, but, you know, we talked about it before. One of the strengths of the 2K series is is they give you all of these different modes and all of this different content and all this different all the different customization, and you know I can go into my NBA with my brother and I can create the court like I do every year for our team. I can create the jerseys. I can you know choose a, a community logo, something somebody else uploaded, or I can upload you know to the 2K share and use a logo that I upload. It doesn't matter what it is. It could be a Seattle SuperSonics logo or a Legends logo. It doesn't matter. And I have the ability to make the team the way I want, and us to take the floor and our cool new uniforms and our court and all of that stuff. And we have access to the legends in offline. We don't have to pay for them, and we can edit the, those players. You know, we can change their dunk packages. We can change their signature shots. We can do all of this customization related to the players. That's why NBA 2K, you know, 
we still play the newer ones, Andrew. Sure. Because it has something for us. And that is something that we can applaud the company on is they do load their games with content. And to that point, if live comes back, if when NBA Live comes back, and we've talked about how we want that to happen, yes, it needs the gameplay to be spot on, or it needs to be have enjoyable gameplay. It needs to have the depth of modes and content. But the other thing that NBA Live can do that's going to help them compete with 2K is having value for money and not having that aggressive push for microtransactions. I know that's asking a lot of EA, and I know they didn't really do it on the last generation because they were trying to to, to foster that goodwill because they didn't have a game that they could really push the uh, microtransactions in. But if they can convince the suits to not uh, to not be pushy about that stuff, that's how you get some uh, goodwill back. That's how you start making a dent in uh, 2K sales. So something to, something to keep in mind if Live is to come back. Two things, EA Sports. Make your new NBA Live deep and make it fair. Yes. Those are the two big ones. So we will see what happens. The preview season for NBA 2K24 is right around the corner. In a week's time, it will be really getting underway with the previews, developer blogs, gameplay footage, trailers, whatever. We will, of course, be aggregating the news on the NLSC, discussing it in our forum, on our Discord, and here on the podcast. So please stay tuned for that. With that being said, that has brought us to the end of this week's show. As always, we thank you for tuning in and invite you to join us again next week, either on the NLSC, nb-live.com, our YouTube channel, or your podcast app of choice. In the meantime, please connect with us on social media. That's where you can get in touch with us, and of course, stay up to date with all of our content. So Derek, go ahead and plug the handles. Hey, you can find me on Twitter, also known as X, at d for 3 g and at d for 3 84 I'm also on the NLSC, d for 3 and on YouTube, d for 3 I am Andrew in the forum, and Andrew NLSC on Twitter, or X. The NLSC is on Twitter, or X, and Facebook, at the NLSC. We're also NLSC Basketball on Instagram and Threads. We're on YouTube at youtube.com slash Center. And of course, give a look to the NLSC itself, mb-live.com, for everything we do for basketball video games. So, thank you once again for tuning in, and until next time, I'm Andrew. And I'm Derek. Go get buckets, everyone. <laughs>